I think it's really important to point out that I've never missed my period. And I, I mean, I think there's something to, to be said about that because I've had a very long running career. And I think because I've gotten my period, that means that my hormones are, are pretty balanced. And that's allowed me to be able to recover and to be strong and have healthy bones, you know, that I'm fueling myself really, really well to be able to have a long running career. Hi, I'm Camille Heron. I'm an ultra runner. And this episode is going to be focused on my experiences with my period in training and racing and all that, <laughs> especially Western states. Yes, Camille summed things up perfectly. This episode is the story of, well, Camille Heron's menstrual cycle, especially around the recent Western States 100-mile trail race that just took place on June 25th, 2022. Or to say it another way, it's the story of Camille's hormone and nourishment health as a professional ultra runner, and this became a key factor at this year's running of the oldest 100-mile trail race in the world, which is also one of the most beloved and storied ultras on the race calendar. Western States is where runners bring their A-game, and it gets a lot of attention. This year, without fail, the women's race was stacked. But before we go any further, I want to welcome you to Strides Forward, the podcast where we share stories about running told by women. I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer, and we are absolutely thrilled to bring back one of the most accomplished ultra runners in the world to talk about a subject that is key to our health and performance as athletes and in life. But it isn't talked about nearly enough, and that topic is getting a regular period. I really want to thank Camille, one of the leaders in this sport, for being so willing to share her powerful voice and open up about a subject that we need to continue to destigmatize. As Camille will get into, period health is a key indicator for overall wellness for menstruating women. And as we've talked about before on this podcast in our episodes about Red S, it is very common for athletic women to lose their period due to underfueling. Add to this, periods in general can be challenging to navigate and have implications for race performance as well as just about every other aspect of life. Learning how to work with our changing body chemistry is an exciting side of women's sports that's continuing to gain more attention, but we still have a ways to go. One of the first important steps is sharing our experiences, which is what we're here for. I also want to be clear that this is one person's story on this topic, and literally every woman's story is different. What works for Camille may or may not work for others. All right, before I go any further, a bit about Camille. For those of you who follow ultra running or who read the New York Times sports section or listen to the Rich Roll podcast or have listened to our series about the 90-kilometer Comrades Marathon— you are already familiar with Camille. For those of you who aren't, she is a professional ultra runner. She's one of the best in the world. She holds several world and national records at a variety of distances. She's set course records, and she's won many championship titles. Among her big wins was, indeed, the Comrades Marathon. 
Her specialty is running fast and long on the road. But she's also a top contender on the trails. And this isn't common. Road racing and trail racing are very different disciplines, and they require very different skill sets. And that becomes ever more prominent the more competitive you are. But Camille isn't one to shy away from a challenge or to shy away from going big. Now that she's already won arguably the most prestigious road ultra in the world, comrades, she has her eyes set on winning arguably the most prestigious trail ultra in the world, Western States. She's been at States three times before, and she's had a very rough go. Coming in this year, however, she was ready to throw down. She was fit. She was healthy. She'd been training on the course. Fans and the running media had her pegged as one of the top runners to watch. There were, however, some unexpected concerns Camille encountered leading into race day. So going into Western States, I was actually supposed to start my period on Monday. Um, I've got a very consistent period that, you know, 28, 29 days, um, you know, is expecting my period to start on Monday and it didn't come. (laughs) And that was a little nerve wracking. I actually did a pregnancy test on Thursday evening just because I was really, you know, ner- nervous about what was going on with me. And I just needed to, you know, to, to know, <laughs> am I pregnant? So yeah, I did a pregnancy test on Thursday evening. I was not pregnant. I felt like I was getting like PMS symptoms leading up to the race day and thinking, okay, you know, maybe we need to prepare for the possibility that I start my period during the race. So yeah, it ended up uh, starting in the middle of Western States. Um, You know, my cycle ended up being 33 days for the month, which was a bit abnormal for me. But you know, I mean, it kind of makes sense because I had been under a lot of stress, I guess, from traveling and, um, you know, putting in some really hard training efforts leading up to the race. And so, so yeah, those things throw off your cycle. I mean, if you're under stress or, you know, your energy metabolism is a little bit different, um, that, uh, you know, and then tapering down for a race that it just kind of threw off my cycle this month. And so, yeah, I ended up starting my period during the race and we just had to prepare for that. We will get into all the details about how race day unfolded. But first, a little backstory, because there's more to the tale than the fact that Camille had to deal with menstruating while running 100 miles. There's first the fact that Camille has long understood the important link between health and getting a regular period. It's something she's prioritized since it all began. I started my period when I was 14, and I've never missed my period. I knew that getting enough calories was really important to getting my cycle, that that having a period is normal and it's healthy, that it was a marker of my energy balance and making sure that I get enough calories to match my energy expenditure. I got to give credit to my parents and fortunately I've had, you know, teammates. I've been around a culture where it's eating, eating is good. You know, eating gives you fuel to perform. Um, And so, yeah, I have very good, uh, you know, eating habits, healthy, healthy habits with nutrition to, to make sure I'm getting enough calories and energy to get a regular period. I hear stories of, you know, other women, other elite athletes saying I haven't had my period in months or years. They almost think it's like normal to not get your period. 
you know, I want to put people in touch with this is not normal. This is not normal to not get your period. Like this is a sign you need to work with your doctor and work with the dietitian. Um, because getting a period is normal. Getting a period is normal for me running 120, 130 miles per week. I want to get my period. If, if I did not get my period, that is like this red flag that something is wrong. So yes, Camille is keyed in to how important proper fueling is and how that is reflected in getting a regular menstrual cycle. Another important factor that plays into Camille's story, and that is common to many women, is oral contraception, or as it's often called, the pill. Being on the pill regulates exactly when your period comes. There's no guesswork. But there's also the fact that it has an impact on your hormones. Add to that, Bodies change over time. What's worked before may not work now. And this all played into Camille's experiences and ultimately why she found herself at Western States experiencing day one of her period. So I started taking an oral contraceptive when I was in college. And I thought it was a great thing because, like, I mean, very predictably, my cycle would come, you know, 28 days, like every month, you know, starting on a Monday, I'd get my cycle. And I think it helped so that I didn't bleed as much. I didn't have as much cramping, I, you know, the PMS symptoms. And, and yeah, I mean, I haven't really had to think about my cycle or my period, um, you know, in relation to races, because I would usually be over and done with my period. Um, you know, races are on weekends, and so I wouldn't have to worry about my period. Um, so I've really, I've gone my, my whole, like, adult life, like, not having to think about this, because my oral contraceptive, like, kind of just took care of it. And so, so yeah, what, what happened was I realized two years ago that I was having like really bad PMS and I didn't even like make the connection to my cycle at first, but basically I think it was like in the middle of the pandemic and, you know, I'm home and, you know, have a lot of time on my hands and thinking about my body and what I'm going through. And, but I realized like I was every month I was going through this like mood shift and feeling like kind of depressive for a couple of days. And like, I would wake up in the middle of the night with what felt like hot flashes. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, am I going like, I'm 38 at that point and thinking, well, like, I feel like I'm too young to be going through like menopause. <laughs> But yeah, so I started realizing like the PMS was so debilitating that I just would be like bedridden for like three to five days um, right before my period every month. And my energy, I just, I felt like I did not want to run. I did not want to get out of bed. I was feeling like awful. And I didn't even make the connection with my cycle until it happened a couple, a couple months in a row. And and then, yeah, I said, okay, this is not normal. I don't think it's normal. Um, and at that point, like, I'm not like going to my doctor regularly because it's during the pandemic. And um, so, yeah, I just didn't know. I didn't know why I was experiencing this basically. And so then I tried to run a couple races during that fall of like 2020 and I didn't go very well and I wasn't feeling good. So then um, flash forward to 2021 and, and I realized like I'm feeling bad. And so um, I was kind of like, well, maybe I need to change my oral contraceptive. Like maybe it's just not working for me. So I ended up changing my oral contraceptive for a couple months 
And and I, I I was like I was like I don't know if this is helping. Um, I ended up running the jackpot 100 around that time, and I had a really bad experience during that with like gut issues and wanting to lay down and my energy feeling low, just feeling awful. So I kind of said, okay, the oral contraceptive change is not working. And then I ended up getting some blood work done with Inside Tracker. And Inside Tracker showed that my sex hormone binding globulin, your SHBG, um, was really, really high. And so like reading up on that, like apparently your oral contraceptive causes your sex hormone binding globulin to, to spike. Uh, which binds to testosterone, which down-regulates testosterone. And from what I had read, our testosterone drops with age naturally. And so the oral contraceptive is like further suppressing that. And that can impact your mood and cause you to be in a more depressive state. And so I was kind of like, okay, you know, maybe I need to like figure out a different like contraceptive method and get off my oral contraceptive because it's what it's doing to my testosterone and my mood and, you know, putting me in this depressive state every month. Then um, also because I'd done the inside tracker test and it showed that I was like low magnesium and high iron and I got in touch with my dietitian friend, Jackie Dykos. And so, you know, working, working with Jackie, um, working with my doctor, um, I realized like I could make like dietary changes as well. And that part of my PMS symptoms were because I was low magnesium. And, and so, so yeah, so I'm kind of like working through this whole like dietary change, you know, um, with Jackie, then Jackie also kind of gave me the confidence to get off of my oral contraceptive which is kind of scary because here I've been taking it for like 20 years, you know, almost 20 years. And I don't know what's going to happen when I stop my oral contraceptive. And so I finally was able to stop my oral contraceptive back in uh, January. And I mean, that's just before the, the jackpot 100 where I set my world records. And so, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'm stopping my oral contraceptive. I hope this doesn't like negatively impact my race. Um, obviously it didn't. <laughs> it was a good decision. Um, I, I didn't feel any like negative, negative impact of um, stopping my oral contraceptive that, um, you, you know, I went on and set these world records. And yeah, it was, I think the cool thing about stopping my oral contraceptive is that I've, I've been able to track it on the Flow app to track it every month and to know like when, um, when I'm ovulating and, you know, to, to, to feel reassured that, okay, you know, this is what happens with my cycle minus the oral contraceptive. And the cool thing is that I've had a regular period at like 28, 29 days, which is a cool thing because that means that I'm in touch with my energy balance especially with all these ultras that I've been running. Um, I've had like, you know, a heck of a spring, like running all these races and setting records. Um, and I've been able to get a regular period without my oral contraceptive. Um, and I've also done like uh, blood testing and, and the sex hormone binding globulin has come back down into the normal range and my testosterone has gone up. And so, and my body is like hormonally adjusting, you know, to not having my oral contraceptive and then the whole mood and depression and all that, that I go through, I'm not experiencing that. So it, it has been very, very worthwhile. 
I just feel better. Like my mood is so much better and I'm bleeding normally, which is helping to get my iron down because I was high iron status. And so it's kind of like this way for my body to regulate my iron. But um, yeah, obviously you know, uh, there's the possibility of starting my period during a race. And of course, that possibility became a reality on June 25th when Camille ran Western States, one of the key races of the season. And it was the first time she had ever dealt with having a period during a race. It's important to keep in mind here, from a spectator's perspective, what you saw was Camille, one of the favorites, lead the women's race over the first big climb and remain in contention for a podium spot for a big part of the race. Until, well, until she wasn't, and it wasn't entirely clear what had happened. Because what was really going on with Camille stayed between her and her husband, Connor, who was also her main support crew. And let's be honest, she kept her cramping and period issues on the down low because deciding to talk about the details of your period in a public forum isn't exactly the most comfortable thing to do. But the reality is menstruation impacts training and performance, sometimes for the better and sometimes not. And sharing our stories, as Camille recognizes, helps empower us all. So I'll let Camille take it from here to tell you how Western states really played out for her. From aid station to aid station with names like Dusty Corners, Forest Hill, Cal 1 and Cal 2, Rucky Chucky, all the way to the finish line. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman. So yeah, starting the race, I wasn't, I was feeling pretty good. So I mean, I'm doing my thing, like starting out at the climb. I mean, everybody, everybody says, oh, she always goes out too fast. But at the same time, I mean, I'm a good climber and I'm, you know, I've run 12 hours for a hundred miles. And I mean, the, the terrain is runnable. I'm very fit, you know, I'm doing my thing. So I felt like I was holding back and felt really comfortable climbing. But, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't feeling like menstrual cramps at that point. Um, um, it wasn't until like kind of maybe maybe about 15 miles or so into the race when I started realizing, okay, I think I'm feeling cramps. You know, if it was normal training, you know, day one of my period um, is always rough for me. That's not when I feel my best. I don't schedule a workout on that day. I usually like take it easy and just kind of get through it. So yeah, running, I mean, <laughs> running a hundred mile or grilling hundred mile race on day one is not something I would normally do. And so, so yeah, I just had to work through that and since it happened. But yeah, I think at some point during the high country, I started realizing, okay, I think I'm feeling menstrual cramps now. <laughs> And I felt like it kind of distracted me from the race because I was just so focused on what I was feeling that um, some of the women kind of got away from me. And um, I just felt like I was kind of in this like brain fog for a bit. 
And at the same time, I mean, I'm a positive person. I'm trying to enjoy the race experience and smiling and, and then feeling menstrual cramps. But yeah, I, I think I um, maybe like when I saw my husband first was at mile 25. I think that uh, was the Duncan Canyon. And I didn't tell him at that point that I was getting menstrual cramps because I was kind of trying to decipher is this like intestinal cramps or menstrual cramps? But at the same time, I mean, I'm having a great time in the race. It's beautiful. I'm like trying to tune out what I'm feeling and, you know, making sure I'm getting enough water if I am having intestinal cramps. But yeah, as the race went on, I think the next point where I saw my husband was maybe like dusty corners at 38 miles. And at that point, I said, okay, I'm definitely getting menstrual cramps. <laughs> and so, so yeah, I saw him at that point. And I mean, there's like cameras around and video and it wasn't like I could like blurt out, okay, I'm getting menstrual cramps. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know how to like tell him that. So I kind of, I kind of grabbed him and whispered it in his ear. So yeah, anyways, after I saw my husband at 38 and I mean, we were prepared for the possibility of starting my period. And so I had mineral drops in my water, which has magnesium. My dietitian had told me that, you know, magnesium could, you know, help with like PMS symptoms and cramping and that sort of thing. So I'm trying to drink my water and make sure I'm getting enough magnesium in me. But I also had a baggie of Tums. And so I figured, well, you know, maybe I should try a Tum at this point and just see, you know, if it helps with the cramps. Um, and so I took a Tum after I saw my husband at 38 miles and it just felt like I finally like things in my body just kind of settled after that and I wasn't feeling the cramps. And um, I was kind of like, okay, that was kind of like a miracle cure. <laughs> and I, I mean, I had no idea that the tongue would help with menstrual cramps. And so like, I actually Googled it after the race. And I think there's like research behind that, that maybe the calcium helps with the cramps. And so, yeah, that was a really great point um, in the race where, you know, we're about to go into the, the grueling canyons, which is really slow and hot and, you know, a lot of climbing. And so, yeah, I was feeling really good at that point. Um, I felt like, okay, now I can finally focus on the race and like pushing myself. But yeah, as, as the race like went on, I think I saw my husband again at Michigan Bluff. And at that point, like, I'm feeling great. Like, I came out of the canyons. My legs are feeling good. My husband tried to mix up my drinks at that point. Um, I had a drink that my dietitian had recommended that was, like, higher uh, potassium and magnesium, um, which is supposed to help with cramps. And I've been taking it during training, like, after my runs to try and get, like, added potassium and magnesium in me. And it has a bit of sodium as well. Um, so he gave me that drink. And it just tasted bad. It really like triggered me. And, and that was, I was not expecting that reaction. And like reflecting back, I think maybe it was like, it has a sweetener in it. And I know sweeteners can cause like GI distress. And, and so, yeah, I was like, I was like, I am not feeling this drink at all. So I felt like it kind of upset my gut a bit. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm not taking this anymore. And yeah, then I came into Forest Hill and saw my husband again. And yeah, so Forest Hill is 62 miles. Um, so that's a big aid station. And I mean, my legs are feeling great. Like, you know, my I'm trying to focus on racing and, you know, my plan to race. 
Uh, my legs are feeling great. You know, I'm otherwise feeling great. And um, other than taking this bad drink that just did not sit well with me. Um, and then, you know, the menstrual cramps, which, which seem to have abated. So, um, so yeah, going into Forest Hill, like I told my husband, I was like, do you have Tums? My Tums have dissolved. My husband did not have the container of Tums on him. Um, so unfortunately I wasn't able to get Tums there. But yeah, then I, I just, you know, continued on and I felt like I was wanting like more calories. Um, it just felt like my energy was really revved up. And I mean, I know when I go through my period, like just before my period and like day one, like my metabolism is kind of revved up and I just have the munchies. <laughs> um, so it was happening during the race and my husband had switched one of my sports drink bottles to Morton which normally Morton like helps my, when I, when I need more calories, Morton normally helps me in a hundred miles, like to settle me, but it was not working. And I think that was the whole like period thing, you know, like it was, it just felt like I was really like hungry during the race. And so, so yeah, I carry on, you know, from Forest Hill, like, and I knew, I knew like the aid stations would probably have Tums. So I just kind of waited. I just like, you know, continued on and waited until I got to Cal one. And sure enough, they had some Tums there. So I was able to get some Tums. But yeah, that whole stretch after Cal one, I just I mean, I was just not feeling good at all. Like I felt like I was like cramping, like my back hurt, like feeling nauseated. It was just like my body, my body just wanted to lay down. And so, yeah, I got to Cal 2, which was only a couple miles. And I was like, I'm just not feeling good. I just need to lay down for, you know, a bit. And so, yeah, I ended up laying down there. Um, I ended up puking. But yeah, I was able to like get like some liquid calories in me and kind of get my energy up a bit. And I, I was in my mind, I'm trying to tell myself forward is progress. Um, so I just knew I needed to just, you know, keep getting up, you know, try to get to I was trying to get to Rucky Chucky, you know, where my husband was and where I knew I could get like more fuel in me. So yeah, I ended up getting, finally got up. I think I'd laid down like maybe 20, 30 minutes or so at Cal 2. And then I was able to get up. Um, and so, yeah, I made it to Rucky Chucky. And then I said, okay, we need to take like whatever break I need to take here to get my energy up, get my gut settled. And then I'm going to do a final push to the finish line. Um, I, yeah, the, I mean, the other thing I, I should mention, I mean, I was checking myself to see if I was bleeding during all of this. Um, and so, I mean, I knew I was getting the menstrual cramps, but I hadn't started bleeding yet, but I started bleeding, um, during the Cal street section. Um, you know, and I mean, that coincided with the symptoms I was feeling. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got to the Rucky Chucky and they tried to give me a burrito. And so I had a burrito and some oranges and yeah, I'm just trying to like kind of get my energy up just to like have the energy to keep going that final 22 miles. Um, so I was probably like timed out there for about 30 minutes. So, I mean, when, when I added up like all together, I mean, I'm probably timed out for about just over an hour, but you know, I was so determined, obviously this is Western States. You have to work through your challenges. And so yeah, after I was able to get my energy up and get my gut settled, one of our friends um, from South Africa, Michelle Davis, um, she had some sparkling mineral water. And so I was able to, to take that, like, and that just seemed to like settle me. And I was able to say, okay, I feel good enough to continue on. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think like if I didn't have my period, like I probably would have been able to be more in the competitive mindset to push myself earlier in the race and then also have the competitive mindset later in the race and not be dealing with my period. But, but yeah, obviously, you know, this monkey wrench got thrown at me. And so, um, I mean, I know, I know as an ultra runner that you have to be, you have to be ready to deal with whatever's thrown your way. I mean, I'm, I'm used to having GI issues. I'm used to working through that. I mean, I've set world records, you know, with GI issues and foot problems and, you know, feeling like my body is going to collapse and I, you know, I'm still out there pounding it for a world record. So yeah, I mean, I'm used to dealing with problems. Um, I mean, shoot, you know, if I didn't have my period, I was probably still going to have problems I was going to have to work through late in the race. And so, I mean, I was prepared for that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I mean, the, you know, my period just added another layer of problems that I had to, to work through. And so, so yeah, I felt like, you know, I kind of had to go to game plan B and, you know, top kind of the, the podium, uh, trying to go for a podium spot went out the window and I just had to focus on, you know, trying to get top 10. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I just told myself, just stay really chill this last 20 miles, you know, keep sipping my, my drink, you know, take some gels, um, just keep my energy up enough that, you know, I can get to the finish line. So I don't, I didn't feel like I was, I, I like originally like going into the race, I was hoping to just really gun it like the last 20 miles. And I felt like I kind of went into more preservation mode that last 20 miles of, you know, just keep myself settled. Don't, you know, have any like bonking or energy issues. And so, so yeah, I felt like my mind, my mindset was kind of like more survival mode and just get to the finish. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a pretty secure position in eighth place, eighth female. And so, um, yeah, I just, I just felt like I was just, you know, happy to get top 10. Camille did finish in eighth place. And I want to emphasize here that this is a huge accomplishment. A top 10 finish at Western States is incredible. Full stop. Also, being in the top 10 guarantees Camille an entry for next year's Western States, which is also a very big deal. This is a really, really difficult race to get into. That being said, this finish was far from ideal, and Camille getting her period in the middle of the race unquestionably had an impact on her ability to perform to her potential. I think that goes without doubt. And this was a key race for Camille. Also, it's her job. That is, not only was it a total bummer that she had to deal with this on race day, there's a real financial cost. Also, like Camille emphasized up top, the regularity of her period is a sign of wellness. Her cycle being off is an indicator that she needs to revisit how she's nourishing herself in relationship to the stresses she's putting on her body. And you know what? She was totally on it. I've already set up an appointment to talk with my dietitian next week to consult with her because I had, you know, my cycle ended up being 33 days instead of 28, 29 days. Um, And I mean, I can reflect back on the past month of, you know, I was traveling, I did some really hard training runs, I've been hydrating really, really well, which can kind of suppress your appetite and your need for calories. 
So, so yeah, so I mean, I'm going to consult with my dietitian about this because I, you know, I want to get a regular cycle, 28, 29 days. And I want to know, you know, the things that I can do to make sure that, you know, when my body's under more stress, um, or during the summertime, I'm hydrating really well, maybe not getting as many calories because I'm taking in so many fluids. Like, you know, what are the strategies that I can do to make sure that I'm getting enough calories and, uh, you know, to keep my cycle regular and predictable? So Camille's journey with navigating her period continues so she can both stay healthy and so that she can continue to push the boundaries of what women are capable of in the sport of ultra racing and also to go after big goals. And 100% one of those big goals, of course, is to win Western states. And, you know, I'm somebody that really appreciates the history of a race. I feel like if I really appreciate the history and what the people did before me that, you know, I can really wrap my head around, you know, and being out there and being grateful for being part of the race. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I look at people like Ann Trayson and Ellie Greenwood. Um, I mean, they were, they were really great road racers as well. And, um, you know, they were able to translate it to trail running and doing really well there. So, yeah, I mean, I really appreciate the heroes and the women before me who have done it and done really well. So, yeah, I, for, for me, it's all about the history and the, and the possibility that, well, maybe I can, you know, create my own history. And so, yeah, I mean, there's three of us, you know, who have won the Comrades Marathon and then also, uh, you know, at, at least finished uh, Western States. And so, you know, I'm trying to, you know, work my way up to becoming one of the one of the three women who have both won Comrades and then also, you know, get that Cougar. <laughs> Ah, yes, the coveted cougar. It's the trophy earned by the men's and women's winner at States each year. And yes, if, and I'd say when, Camille earns hers, it will put her in some very rare company. Among the only two other people, male or female, who have won both Western States and Comrades. The first was indeed Anne Trayson, an absolute legend in the sport of ultra racing. She's won Western States 14 times and she's won Comrades twice, among a huge list of other wins and records. And Ellie Greenwood, of course, has won them both as well and she currently holds the Western States course record. It'll be exciting to continue to watch Camille's journey develop at Western States and it would be great to see her return to Comrades as well. We'll see what the future holds. Camille is such an exciting racer to watch and a true champion through and through, both for her performances as an athlete and for her actions away from racing. Not the least of which is efforts like this to help destigmatize discussions around menstruating and everything it involves. I am also deeply, deeply honored that Camille chose to tell this story first on Strides Forward. Thank you so much, Camille. I mean, we're honored. And we're also totally looking forward to what comes next. If you want to keep up with Camille, she is a terrific follow on Instagram and Twitter. She's at Run Camille. And if you want to keep up with us here at Strides Forward, we're also on Instagram and Twitter at Strides Forward. Of course, that will all be in the show notes, as well as links to our previous episode with Camille telling the story of how she won Comrades, and links to our episodes focusing on experiences with Red S. We hope you go back and enjoy listening to those episodes. And, as always, thank you for listening to this episode. 
You being here and listening to these stories is what gives them power. And I really, really appreciate it. I would also really love if you would share the podcast with a friend or two, or maybe your whole running crew, and this one in particular. This is an important message to get across. And if you know any young women runners, please share it with them too. The earlier we can share these messages with young women athletes, the better off they're going to be. The consequences of Red S are really, really serious, especially in the developmental years. So yes, we would love it if you would share this episode and the podcast in general. Word of mouth is so powerful for independent shows like ours and your recommendations, they really, really make a difference to us. So thank you. And of course, I do not make this show by myself. Cormac O'Regan makes all the original music for the show, and he does the sound design. That all happens at his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative does all the design work for the show, the website, merch, social media, all of it. And April comes to you from Truckee, California. You can find her at bonfirecollaborative.com. And yes, I am Cherie Louise Turner, the host and producer of Strides Forward. And as always, I'm coming to you from a closet in Somerville, Massachusetts. Thank you again for listening. Thank you, Camille, for sharing your story. And until next time, we all wish you many healthy, joyful Strides Forward. Whoops, that Strides Forward. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.